whatever kind of attack there is, whether it's your government um, making crazy rules or things like that, or it is a radical Islamist attack, you need to keep yourself in the best shape possible so that you can be more resilient to whatever comes. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, today we're going to talk about a terrifying subject, terror. Uh, what is it? How does it affect us? Uh, these are important questions, particularly given what's going on in society today. And in fact, uh, we're, we're always hearing about environmental catastrophe and uh, Armageddon on that front. There's threats of World War III with what's going on with, with NATO and the war over in Russia uh, and in the Ukraine. And uh, just most recently, we're hearing word about a new strain of the COVID-19 variant, which we all thought was behind us. And this one uh, has been dubbed uh, the Eris variant. I did a quick search on Google. I discovered that Eris is a, a Greek demon of strife, war, haunting the battlefield, and delighting in human bloodshed. So uh, it's a good question about why why are we so scared? Who's trying to scare us? And how does this affect us? And so we thought it would be a great idea to have somebody on the program who knows a lot about this, who's an expert in the sort of the psychology of terror and, and how it impacts people. Uh, both adults and children. Her name is Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thanks for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you on as our special guest. Well, thank you. All right. So um, Dr. Carol is, uh, she's known as America's psychiatrist. She's a board certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist. She's a best-selling author. We're going to talk about, especially about a couple of her books uh, today that are featured on our reading list. Um, she's also uh, been very much um, a public figure in terms of being on, on television. She's been on Tucker and Laura Ingram and uh, Newsmax. Uh, she's been on the Oprah show, Today Show. Uh, so she's very well known and um, and uh, also very well respected. And uh, so we're excited to have her on the show. Before we dive into uh, the, 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 the topic at hand, of course, as we always do, we've got a few framing aphorisms to set up our discussion. Uh, the first one is from... Uh, uh, a, a person named Yoko Ito, who wrote that if we destroy human rights and rule of law in response to terrorism, they have won. Uh, the second quotation is from a very well-known author and a, uh, a, unfortunately a book that's, that's very well-known now. Uh, it's George Orwell in 1984. He wrote, the object of terrorism is terrorism. The object of oppression is oppression. The object of torture is torture. The object of murder is murder. The object of power is power. Now do you begin to understand me? And lastly, from uh, an American commentator, Bobby Kennedy, who once wrote, the, the big threat to America is the way we react to terrorism by throwing away what everybody values about our country, a commitment to human rights. America is a great nation because we are a good nation. When we stop being a good nation, we stop being great. So, uh, Dr. Carroll, I'd like to start off with uh, perhaps... A discussion if you could give us maybe um, a thumbnail sketch of of uh, because you've written so much about it and talked so much about it in your in your books and your discourse um but maybe the concept of terror itself as as you've studied it um into in a psychological sense and also 
most people think that they have an understanding. Most people like me think we have an understanding of what PTSD is, but we probably don't. And so that's something that maybe we could get a, a more uh, a more clear and concise uh, understanding of what that is. Could you talk about those concepts uh, just maybe by way of setup? Well, first of all, you know, terrorism is um, the use of um, force, the use of um, of strategies to manipulate people by terrorizing them uh, such that you get your political or socio-political um, agenda met. Uh, and that's sort of a generic way of looking at it. Now, when 9-11 happened, maybe I can start that way. When 9-11 happened, um, I, well, I'm a born and bred New Yorker, but I was living in California by the time 9-11 happened. And um, my heart, though, is still in New York. And so that really uh, had a profound impact on me, you know, seeing uh, New York destroyed, of course, then the Pentagon and the Pennsylvania field and so on. And um, I it, it uh, resonated with me in terms of realizing that this was something that for my lifetime and probably many lifetimes to, to come after that, uh, that is going to be the number one problem that we are facing, that America is facing, and that, of course, most of, much of the world is facing. Right. And I'm talking about radical Islamist terrorism mm -hmm. in particular. Um, because really, you know, the uh, people also, um, you know, with COVID, like you mentioned, um, with COVID, Terrorists haven't been attacking, in America in any case, the, the way that they did in the past, you know, the Boston bombing, the nightclub in Orlando and, you know, California, there was a, an attack and so on. Um, because, not because they've given up or decided, you know, not great if they would. Yeah, <laughs> we did 9-11, we don't need to do anything else. Um, no, I mean, this is something that they, in their religion, their beliefs, uh, their interpretation of the Quran and so on, um, that this is something that they believe that they are as a as a group is supposed are supposed to do um, for all time. I mean, until they conquer the West, America, Canada, um, you know, the West Western Europe, and so on. Um, they they won't, and really the whole the rest of the world. I mean, now there are things in India and Pakistan um, and Africa. So that is their whole plan. I mean, this, these things are popping up. Uh, you know, it's easier to pop up or there's been more popping up in Western Europe and in Africa and India now and so on. But, um, but I mean, it, it has been their long range, long term plan over a thousand years. This has been their plan. This is written, you know, at least the way they interpret the Quran, the radical Islamists. So, um, so that's why I said, you know, this is this is going to be the most major um, phenomenon in our lifetime. And then, of course, COVID came. But COVID, <laughs> COVID isn't a long term. I mean, yes, it might be coming back and coming back. But I mean, it isn't a long term um, ideal of a group of people to promote this forever. So we, you know, in America, and I, I don't know uh, if it's this way in Canada, but in America, a lot of people have gotten complacent and thinking, ah, you know, look, we haven't heard from them in a while, and you know, it's it's okay. Um, 
but that is so not the truth. And so when, when 9-11 happened, just to go back to the beginning, uh, that I became, you know, what I now call the terrorist therapist. I have a trademark. So um, because, because the idea was and is to help people not only get over 9-11, which is still affecting all of us today, but um, also to prepare to become more, um, more prepared, more stronger physically and psychologically, more resilient for the future, you know, the future attacks and so on. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if exactly what the um, current case is in Canada, but uh, here, you know, we we are more in at risk today. The America is more at risk today than uh, from a, a 9-11 type attack or any kind of terrorist attack than we were before 9-11. Why, why do you say that, Dr. Carroll? That's because... Um, it starts out with the fact that, that we are so complacent and we're not, you know, um, you know, see something, you know, the, uh, saying probably you have that in Canada too. If you see something, say something, right. well, people aren't looking anymore, you know, they're not expecting to see anything. And, but in the meantime, first of all, we have a president, president Biden, who is really being the, the white house is really being ruled Biden is just the puppet puppet, and it's really being ruled by Obama. And Obama is the president who opened America up to um, be more vulnerable to terrorism than any other president. And so with him running, basically running Biden, running the White House, um, there are fewer things being done to um, to protect us. And um, uh and and for uh, one of the things that happened last year that really bothers me, there there were two museums in Manhattan near Ground Zero. Right, I heard about this. Yeah, you, you heard about the yes, one. Yes, I did. I read it. I read that it was closed down. That the nine eleven museum was closed down. The the the, the smaller yeah. one, the tribute. Yes. Museum. But yeah. that was especially. They were both important, both special, hmm. because the tribute museum was primarily um, a work by the families of the victims of 9-11. And right. of course I've been to both of the museums and they're both great, <laughs> they were both great. And the Tribute Museum was a little more personal. You get taken around on a tour by someone who was connected in some way to 9-11. Uh, so for example, when I went, um, my tour guide was this man who was um, involved with the cleanup of 9-11. Um, you know, the World Trade Center spot and so on. And he developed cancer, as did many of the people who were involved in the cleanup because of all of the um, cancer-producing right. organisms, you know, metals and so on, um, that were in the pile of rubble. Mm -hmm. And so um, so basically, you know, these people are also uh, victims of 9-11. And, um, and so he took us around and, and it was very moving. And so, you know, when you think about how, and the reason why it closed is because at, during COVID, of course, people in lockdowns, people weren't going to museums or weren't going much of anywhere. Right. And so, so they weren't making, you know, much money from people paying to, to come in. But, you know, when you think about all the money that America is spending on things <laughs> that um, are, 
you know, billions, um, that to, to keep the museum open, it would have just um, accounted for or needed a very relatively small amount of money. And the fact that they just let it pass, quietly fade away. I wrote a bunch of op-eds and of course I did a lot of media interviews, but I was outraged um, right. that they would let that museum die. And it's not just the museum. There is a kind of um, benign neglect, you know, um, not just of the museum, but of 9-11 in general, like the anniversaries of 9-11. And it is so important to keep 9-11 alive, our memory of it, to honor the people who died, of course, to honor the first responders, um, to, to teach it to our children so that they understand an important part of history, um, to appreciate you know, first responders uh, in the, for the future. Um, you know, just, and, and, and the most important thing is he who forgets history uh, is bound to repeat it. Right. And of course, you know, um, of course now also I was starting to talk about, you know, why we're more at risk. Um, the, the debacle in Afghanistan, thanks to Biden and, and the White House, uh, where we surrendered, you know, 20 years after 9-11, where after 9-11, all these people um, came to join the military because they wanted to protect America, because they felt so patriotic and all of that. How dare somebody hurt our country? And you know, everybody rushed in. Right. And um, and and all that, and all the people who died, and all the, the military, the troops who lost their legs or lost their arms or lost, you know, their life, um, and all of this basically for nothing with Biden surrendering to the Taliban. And not just that, now they've given they they've given, I'm trying to remember, it's it's and I don't remember the exact number, but it's billions to the Taliban, and they couldn't find, you know, maybe two hundred and fifty thousand to keep the museum afloat, uh, or, or five hundred thousand. You know, nothing compared to a billion. I I read that part of that money was to uh, was to teach them about diversity, inclusion, equity. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> they oh, give them diversity, inclusion, equity training. But, yeah, on this topic, uh, you've mentioned that you've written a lot of uh, op-eds, uh, Dr. Carroll. One of them that I read, which sort of ties in with 9-11, or might, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, is this orange air hellscape uh, is dangerous to your psyche and not just your body. And of course, this came about because of the situation where we had these these uh, large-scale forest fires in Canada, the smoke and everything. Yes was going down into into the the eastern seaboard of the United States and uh, it just had this sort of hellish sky and my understanding is that um you wrote about it because it raised uh maybe the 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 the, the specter and was reminiscent of 911 is that right and you talked about the psychological impact you want to you want to explore that a little bit sure um yes there were certain similarities in the sense of you know 911 um, the sky in Manhattan was similar. There was ash, you know, falling from the sky and um, it was cloudy and, um, you know, and it was orange in some, during some of the period of time. The orange skies from the fires um, uh, triggered PTSD in people who remembered 9-11, um, who were there or who or who saw enough television shows of it, which is another thing that you you don't really, um, particularly for 9-11, they did a study 
And you didn't have to be in Manhattan or near the Pentagon or near the, near the Pennsylvania field to have PTSD. If you watched hours and hours and hours, like we pretty much all did, of the planes going into the Twin Towers, um, that in itself, for some people, and depending upon the number of hours and depending upon your psychological makeup, that gave people PTSD who weren't anywhere near New York. Right. And, you know, I'll tell you an interesting, I mean, I know we're going from thing to thing, but it's just, I have a lot, a lot um, that I want people to know about this. Um, I, starting two years ago, I, and, and I'm going to be doing it this year too. Um, I don't know how, like, I just came up with the idea, but uh, it was all for keeping people, helping people remember 9-11 and, and, you know, not to forget it. I created a um, a 15 minute uh, video, music video, um, where with all different you know uh, parts to it. Why you should remember 9/11, how to talk to kids about 9/11 and about terrorism in general. Um, uh, you know, it, it, towards the end, it's it shows uh, the people in Afghanistan and um, you know in their the the terrorists in their trucks and so on with their artillery and um, and I have over that uh, he who <laughs> he who forgets history is bound to repeat it. And um, and so I, I have this video and I put it on a mobile truck, a mobile billboard, you know, a, a truck that goes around um, in Manhattan. And then last year I had to go around Washington, D.C. as well. And I'm going to be doing it again in both of these places this year, too. And, um, you know, and, and it's I mean, now we have a generation who wasn't around in 9-11, it's kind of like um, Pearl Harbor. You right. know, you weren't alive um, during Pearl Harbor. You hear about it and it sounds awful. And it was the first time an enemy attacked America, but that's like far away. You know, it feels like that's far away, not New York City or not right. Washington. Um, and so, but you don't have that same connection to it. And I think it's really important that people have this same connection. Because, uh, because to go back to where we started, mm -hmm. uh, we are more at risk. You know, there's the southern border and the northern border, mm -hmm. by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, where people are coming over who um, are on terrorist watch lists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we only know this by the ones that they caught. How many did they not catch, you know, who are coming over with intentions to, uh, to commit terror attacks? Also, um, we, uh, after the surrender in Afghanistan, we took back, it was such a chaotic time and so on. And we, we um, uh, flew in 80,000 or so Afghans. Now, we did that because a lot of those people were helping, were translators and helping our troops and so on. But there was no vetting. They like to say that there was some vetting or, you know, it wasn't perfect or whatever. But basically... <laughs> anybody could get on the plane and come here and right. so that is just you know seated all over america and um there are i mean in other words they don't have to come in a plane anymore i mean you know a 9-11 type plane and drop bombs or go into you know um drive the plane through something um there are people already here who will be happy to perpetrate uh terror attacks mm -hmm. so um and you were mentioning woke. 
um, our military is in such bad shape. Um, we don't have enough enough soldiers, enough people in the very in the uh, all of the um, uh, parts of the military, and part a large part of that is because people who want to join the military, whether it's men or women. They do it because they feel patriotism. They want to risk their life to protect the country. Right. Well, you know, with all of the um, the uh, the military becoming woke, and even I don't know if you saw this, I, all these things that you like can't believe are happening are happening. Um, there, the it was the Navy, I believe, who used a transsexual. Uh, transgender, whatever he or she was, um, to be the digital ambassador for the Navy. Yes. And so another, did you see that? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, you know, do you really have to be a psychiatrist to realize that is not the kind of thing that is going to attract people to the military? Not to say that there aren't some transgender people in the military or gay, the LGBTQ plus, mm -hmm. but the majority of people are doing it. The, the men want to feel macho. They want to feel, you know, this is even the women. They, this is what they want to feel strong to protect America. Right. It's not that is not the symbol that will attract people to join any uh, part of the military. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said, like the um, yes, the, uh, you know, teaching the inclusion and all that um, diversity and inclusion and I mean, um, that is not why people join the military. Um, I just wrote another op-ed that will hopefully be coming out soon, um, where I talk about how this time, you know, the next 9-11 or the next terror attack, um, there won't be this rush. We won't hear the rush of footsteps of people going to, to sign up, to enlist in right. the military. Um, what we're gonna hear is crickets. <laughs> Yeah, well, and part of the reason for this, I understand, is uh, there there is a, 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 and this is of course in your realm, uh, a psychological impact and a process that's going on. And you uh, you wrote about this in another piece uh, that you put that you created about China, uh, China using TikTok as a weapon of mass destruction needs to be banned. Uh, but you were here talking in the context of a psychological or demoralization type of terrorism. Uh, is that sort of the next wave or is that part of the whole terrorism thing that we're facing now in the West? Well, you know, the word terrorism from when I started being the terrorist therapist and, and my books are primarily about radical Islamist terrorism, although, um, you know, certainly it can. I mean, our, our world does have a lot of people who are trying to terrorize us with right. their political aims. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, the, so now the word terrorist or terrorism, it's being thrown around to like, like, for example, the Ukraine is calling Russia a te terrorist, right. you know, and Russia is calling Ukraine terrorists. And, you know, I mean, I mean, in a broad sense, you could kind of um, and, and actually our government is calling PTA parents who don't want to have certain things taught in school. They're calling them terrorists. I mean, you know, it's kind of getting diluted a little bit. But um, not to say that, you know, the, that these things aren't causing us all terror, certainly. Um, but uh, so, so, I mean, there are different places that terror is coming, but, but the, the real, 
as I was, I keep going back to the debacle in Afghanistan, the surrender. Right. Because, and, and it's not just about the Taliban, because, of course, it's Al-Qaeda who sent the terrorists uh, who did 9-11, the 9-11 attack. But in Afghanistan, there's not only the Taliban, there's Al-Qaeda and there's ISIS. And they're all there in this little hot pot, you know. Um, sometimes they fight with each other, but basically they have the same number one enemy, which is America. Right. And um, so it's... <sighs> It's just a place now that America isn't there. You know, there aren't any troops there. It's just they can they can do what they want and they are doing what they want. You know, during during um, during COVID, during the lockdowns, um, terrorists, even though they might not have been attacking as often as they had done before COVID, before the it's really it's the lockdowns because they want to attack where there's going to be a lot of people. So if there are lockdowns and people are in, the, are in their homes, not in concerts, not on the streets and so on, of course, that's why um, the terrorists haven't been attacking as much. But um, but they certainly are during the lockdowns. Um, they benefited. They didn't, you know, just fold up their tents, so to speak. Um, they um, they uh, they just spent that time recruiting because more people were on the Internet um you know looking at things like like propaganda from terrorists from all of the the terrorist organizations and so and so they use that time well to get more people to join them and um and that's another part of the problem but when we surrendered we when biden and obama surrendered for us um uh that gave the green light to our other enemies um russia and um and and north korea and iran and china um because you know it showed that we were weak it showed that we had this weak president i mean i've been saying that by, I, when biden ran for president in 2020 um i talked about i tried to warn people about how he has encroaching dementia and it has been he's had a loss a lot worse since then hasn't he yes it has been encroaching ever more since then and so so countries see that you know they see all his mistakes and they see that he he's lost it and so they know that this is the time to try to get america and they have all been building up their arsenals and taking bolder strokes i mean that's when russia putin invaded ukraine um after we surrendered and um, and it's just kind of um, and and also of course um, Western Europe that you know people look at Western well actually the American media I don't know what Canada does but in America the mainstream media in any case um, does not show a lot of what is happening in Western Europe like for example the fires and looting and the riots in France yeah. just recently. Yeah. Um, we have the same problem here. In fact, probably worse. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to hold my tongue and not say anything about um, Trudeau, but um, you can say whatever you like about him on this show. Right. <laughs> you know, he's just trying. I mean, I really do feel bad for you Canadians. All the things that he does to terrorize you, um, you know, to make it. I mean, he's going even faster than Biden and Obama to make it a socialist communist country. Right. Um, 
and you know and, and the really scares me um is the the um what he's doing in terms of suicide I've yes. made um yes yeah medical uh, assistance in dying yes no yeah. world we're now a world leader in that <laughs> unless of course and, and here's an interesting case for you as a psychologist uh there's a there's a very uh high profile case in canada of a person who identifies now as lois cardinal formerly lewis cardinal mm-hmm. and um of course, he he went through all of the uh, gender affirming care 15 years ago in Belgium, and uh, has had uh, these surgeries that uh, just have left the, 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 this person in in a state of constant chronic pain, and there's no end in sight. And uh, this person has been very outspoken about the fact that they regret having gone through quote unquote gender affirming care because this is what has destroyed completely destroyed their enjoyment of life to the point now where now he wants to die. Uh-huh. He's one of the only people in Canada who has been, de- has been denied uh, access to that program. What? Yes. And he's not only, and this person is not only, not only uh, uh, transgender, but also first nation Aboriginal. Uh, and so uh, of course we can, <laughs> we don't need to speculate very far about why this person is being denied this care or or this opportunity to end their life because of course if uh in our in our country the ideology is such that if if the left even begins to admit that gender affirming care causes people to begin to suffer through a life that is worse than death uh that's that ends the game isn't it uh, so yeah there's all kinds of but what do you think about the just off the topic what do you think about that case that's the pretty horrific isn't it very sad. I hadn't heard about that case. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that situation is not unique. Um, I know there's some commentators in the U.S., Matt Walsh and the like, who have bringing these cases to light, and it's it's a very sad situation. That's a hopeful. There's a hopeful sign in the number of people who are trying to detransition. Um, the number of people who are brave enough to bring it to the media to to make more people yes. know about it yes. because that will help to discourage some people from doing it, you know? But I mean, it's so sad. Like I've read about people in Canada who um, they're poor <laughs> and they're not getting enough uh, uh, help from from the state or whatever, from yes. you know, welfare. Yes. Um, and so they'd rather die than live in this poor, you know, live on the street or, you know, but I mean, and that's, and so they're, so instead of giving them money, um, they're just helping them to die. Yes. Yes. It's a very short-sighted um, solution. It's almost, uh, you know, taking abortion and turning it on its head, you yes. know. Um, but, you know, this is this raises an interesting topic, and I'm curious to know what you think about this. Could it be that, for example, things like gender dysphoria uh, and it, the seeming explosion of it uh, mm-hmm. is growing out of a situation of terror? Uh, because, you know, the, the, of course, in the U.S. and Canada, we have these small l liberal or let's or even leftist governments that are you know are are causing domestic terror by being like soft on crime by yeah. allowing illicit drug use uh really almost promoting homelessness you know mass immigrate all these policies that are really frightening the greater population and and really raising terror do you think there might be a link there well, I think, I mean, it's a different kind. I mean, it is ter- terror. It is causing terror. And it's also caused, causing suicide. Yes. You know, there was just a study in in America. Right. Showed yeah. that there's a, the, the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. 
Now, of yeah. course, it started getting uh, increasing after 9-11. But um, but yes, the reason why it's it's increasing is because yes, there is terror all around, <laughs> and um, and and because uh, not only, I mean it's frightening. There are all these frightening things. The fact defund the police, and so there aren't enough police to uh, to protect you. I mean, there was something uh, a video the other day of this woman who um, she was in the street and she had her bike, and somebody just came up and took the bike. And nobody, none of the people around tried to help her. And it's like, you know, people who think that they deserve reparations um, are now not only, not only do they want money, the reparations, and are they looting and so on, but it's like, well, just, you, you see something you want, just take it. Even if it's a, even if right. a person who owns it is right. right there. Yeah. It is terrifying to watch it. Even, even watching videos, just seeing that happen, even though it's not my store or anything, it is terrifying just to see this loss of civil society yes loss yes. of decorum in the way that we conduct ourselves yes do you think that's linked to to a sense of terror where people are just too frightened to you know or the or this is maybe causing people to behave in this way because they're terrorized or what do you think is causing that well i mean it, it did things changed we kind of had a perfect storm of right around covid and lockdowns was also the George Floyd incident mm -hmm. and the protests that came from that and the civil disobedience, the uproar and all that from that. Then we have uh, politics, you know, in America is more and more divided. Uh, there are so many things that are, that kind of came all together at once, the whole transgender and, um, and you know, teaching, encouraging that in schools, and also encouraging CRT, critical race theory, teaching that right. in schools, um, teaching about sex altogether, not just transgender, but teaching kindergartners how to masturbate. Um, I was reading something the other day. I, I was wanted to get your take on this, and it's about this concept of demoralization, uh, you know, destruction of of maybe let's call them Western values. And, uh, you know, this little piece that says, you know, uh, how do you do it? Well, you get them away from religion, uh, encourage their interest in sex, as you were saying, make them superficial, talking about kids, by focusing their interest in sports, sensual entertainments and trivialities. Always preach true democracies, but seize power as fast and ruthlessly as possible. Uh, encourage government extravagance, destroy its credit. It's sounding really familiar. Produce fear with rising prices, inflation, and general discontent. Encourage disorders and foster a lenient attitude towards disorders. By specious argument, cause the breakdown of the old moral virtues, honesty, sobriety, and self-restraint, and uh, and cause registration of firearms to leave the population defenseless. That was written by Vladimir Ilyich Lenin in 1921. Oh, wow. Now, now that's that's the that's how to demoralize, you know, children um, and, and let's say demoralize or, or terrorize children um, that that seems to be happening in a very prevalent way uh, in Western society, isn't it? The children seem to be a focal point of these attacks. And that seems to me that that's part of the reason why you wrote your most recent book. Right. Well, I mean, I did. Well, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists. Oh, my. How to protect your child in a time of terror is the first half of the book is for parents and teachers. Uh, and the second half is a picture book for kids. 
And so like, for example, um, there's a picture of a bully on a playground. So when I say a terrorist is like a bully on the playground, um, you know, he wants to get his way and so on. Right. So it's like um, an allegory sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it is to, and I, I, I talk about, do you remember the shoe bomber? And oh, I, yes. I talk about, of course, 9-11. And I talk about, um, uh, what was it? The, the man who had uh, a bomb in his underwear on a plane. Oh, yes. Um, and just, you know, and, and um, I don't know, the major, um, the Boston Marathon, the major incidents of terrorism, classical, classic incidents. Um, but, you know, when I wrote that, which actually <laughs> it was not that long ago, uh, but at that time, it wasn't as obvious, at least not to me, um, how just how much danger we're in from our own government in terms of the things that you were reading and how right. all these things were and how you know really um like for example in the schools with the teachers trying to get kids to be any gender but the gender they were born with or the sex they were born with right um, and you know that um these things started, I mean, we're kind of seeing it more now because I think because of the lockdowns that parents got to see some of what the kids were learning. But um, but really, that was the seeds for that were sown a long time ago mm -hmm. because uh, in the teachers' colleges where teachers were taught to teach these kinds of things, same thing with CRT, critical race theory. And, you know, racism is worse today than ever well i mean okay maybe not i guess it was pretty bad when they were slaves but yes. I mean, in modern times um it is worse today than it has been for uh, decades yes. uh, because it's it's causing little kids don't think about the color of someone's skin you know they go to a playground and they just if somebody if another kid wants to share their toy or smiles at them or something like that you know that could be a friend but now um, schools are teaching kids to pay it. Everything depends upon the color of, a, of a, somebody's skin. And yeah. so it's causing racism and it's causing segregation. Different kids are learning different things and other kids are learning other things. And and it's really raising the, the temperature of the race wars um, mm. in our country and perhaps in Canada as well. Um, I mean, do you teach CRT? In oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's a psychologist in... Um... In, in Canada named God Saad, who's written a, a wonderful book uh, that, uh, that, that, that describes these as idea pathogens, uh, mm -hmm. which is a, kind of a funny, kind of, kind of a strange way of putting it, but it makes sense that they, they actually get into our, into our psyche and sort of uh, in, in our infections, really, you know, these ideas like CRT. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you about um, your... Uh, about your other book uh, and that is coping with terrorism this is a book that you wrote some some time ago but i think this is really relevant based upon i mean we've sort of been talking about for the last little while about all these different things that are frightening us and terrorizing us both uh internationally domestically in our schools and and even when we go shopping and out in our cities so what are some ways for people watching uh that they can learn to cope with terrorism do you have some some suggestions about how, how we can learn to do that in, in a way that that maybe helps us live more healthy lives, you know, psychologically and emotionally? Sure. Um, yes, that book, um, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, 
was a book that I wrote that was published in London uh, as the first, as the anniversary edition, the first anniversary of their 9-11, which right. was 7-7. Right. And, um, and yes, you know, a lot of the things, I mean, I divided the chapters into, um, into like children and adolescence and work and love and, you know, different areas of our life. Um, really the the topics the areas of your our life and and how terrorists affects us is really pretty similar still the, you know very much the same um but and the first thing that people should do to sort of build resilience is to um is to make sure that you keep yourself and or make yourself at this point the healthiest you can both psychologically and physically because whatever kind of attack there is, whether it's, um, you know, your government um, making crazy rules or things like that, or it is a radical Islamist attack, um, you need to be, you need to keep yourself in the best shape possible right. so that you can be more resilient to whatever comes. So, for example, if you, you know, feel that you're having some psychological problem, anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, you know, some addiction, um, whatever it is, you, you should go get help, you know, you should go get treatment. And treatment doesn't consist of just medication. Uh, a pill does not cure anything. It helps people, especially people with illnesses like schizophrenia or manic depressive illness, bipolar. Uh, you do need to, to be on medicine, but therapy, <laughs> No medicine alone will help anybody with whatever it is that they have that they're dealing with. You have to be in therapy, psychotherapy, talk therapy. Uh, and physically, of course, you know, you need to you need to not wait till some kind of an attack or some kind of a threat happens. Um, you need to look into whatever it is that you may be suffering from. If you have thyroid problems or high blood pressure, you know, kind of run-of-the-mill chronic problems, you have to make sure that they are they are in the best shape possible. Um, another example of that is like your gas tank. Um, you should, instead of uh, half empty, should be, you should consider that like empty. You know, you don't want to be stuck at your home or wherever um and there's some kind of an attack or some kind of an emergency and <laughs> you hardly have any gas <laughs> you know you know um another thing that they're doing i'm not sure if you might have seen this uh but like in new york they um started putting up this um both literature and a video like to try to um teach people what to do in case of an of a nuclear bomb attack have you have you seen that no i hadn't i, I mean they, they had that in the news like they were writing about um some new movie coming out i i mean they were they were nor they were trying to normalize it you right. know um and of course of course putin keeps threatening to uh you know yes. to, to yes. Save nuclear weapons but i mean i never thought I would see it just in the midst of the news, you know, as if, oh, and by the way, here are some things you can do in case there's a nuclear attack. The interesting timing with that Oppenheimer film out as well. Well, yes, yes. This was a few, this was like maybe six months ago or four right. months ago that I first saw it. But yes. Um, and um, so, 
I mean, so yes, there were, of course, the, the first thing to do with a nuclear attack um, is to get inside and to wash yourself off um, and to stack, stock up on potassium iodide. But I'll put that aside, <laughs> um, that extreme example aside. But um, the other thing is, of course, for in regard to children, is that you need to get children to talk about and express their feelings about whatever kind of terrorism would you know you want to look at like for example with radical islamist terrorism um you need to like for example kids after that happened were um were playing like uh playing with an airplane making making an airplane go all around like playing that they were terrorists because they wanted to identify with the aggressor you know to be the strong person the brave person or you know to not be the victim uh things like that and um but you need to get kids and even if it's just other kinds of things like what we've been talking about that are terrorizing whether it's a, a teacher try, trying to convince you to change your sex or gender um, or you need to, and you know, the problem is that the dinner, uh, dinner table discussions, you know, that used to be the time that everybody would sit down to dinner in a family and you would ask, you know, how was your day today? And how was school? And, you know, did, why did Sally pull your pigtail? <laughs> or, you know, I mean, I know I sound like I'm stuck in the, uh, you know, um, you, you must know, uh, Norman Rockwell. The oh, of course, of course. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that used to be America. Yeah. Now, granted, we can't stay at that time forever, but certainly the the um, way of thinking, the morals, the things that those paintings brought out, um, we should be trying to have forever. Right. Families being mm. together and um, doing fun things together, fishing, getting ice cream cones, you know, all of that. Right. Um, and and of course, you know, the the flag um, being uh, appreciating the flag and saluting the flag and appreciating the national anthem. You know, in America, we just had the World Cup. And oh, I tweeted away about the, uh, the stories about how our team, um, you know, wouldn't half the team didn't sing the national anthem and didn't, you know, salute the flag and so on. I mean, I, I wrote that they should all be fired. You know that kind of thing. It does. It's not good for anybody. Oh. It, and that's by the way. I think that that's why they lost so badly, because yes. they had all this negativity that they brought yes. to it. Yes, it's very sad that uh, you know, and sports is an example of where it, it really should be drawing people together and closer together. And maybe that's maybe the, maybe that's the best antidote overall to terror is to draw is to draw together and and to uh, lend support to each other. Um, and that doesn't seem to be happening as much as it as it used to or as much as it should. Um, this has been a very wide ranging discussion. I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we've come to the part of the program where we sort of wrap up and we call this the reading list. And it won't surprise you that today your two of your books are featured. Uh, you've actually written four. And I encourage people to go check out Amazon. You can find all of Dr. Carol's books. But the two that we've mentioned today, they're the ones that she's talked about First of all, coping with terrorism. And the second one, lions, tigers, and terrorists. Oh my, how to protect your child in a time of terror. So Dr. Carroll, what we'd like to do is wrap up. Obviously, you're very well read. Um, are there any books that you would recommend or, or sources? It could be a website or anything of that nature 
uh, that you would recommend to people who have listened to this conversation that would perhaps uh, enhance or augment their learning or their understanding of some of your work and the things that we've been talking about today? Well, um, well, for one thing, they could go to my website, uh, terroristtherapist.com, and there are lots of videos. And um, oh, and also I do a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show. Right. Uh, I should have mentioned that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I, okay. I saw that. You can either see that on the website or you can uh, find it um, on podcast places like uh, Renegade Talk Radio. Um, but you can also see the video that I was talking about at the beginning that's going to be on the billboard truck. If you're not planning on being in New York or DC on 9-11, you can just go to my website and uh, and watch the video. Oh, fantastic. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for being our special guest today. It's been a real pleasure sitting down with you and talking with you, learning more about you and your work and uh, much continued success. I hope you keep writing and, and uh, doing the podcast. I look forward to following you and, and learning more as we go. Well, thank you very much.